All right. Well, folks, tonight we're going to be looking at a very common account in God's Word as we turn over to the book of Luke in chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7. And this is one of the passages of Scripture where we see, uh, we see this happening in, in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But tonight we've got a couple lessons we want to learn out of Luke chapter number 7. And we'll be starting our reading in verse number 30. I'm sorry, verse number 36. Luke chapter number 7, verse number 36. And we'll go ahead and start this evening reading God's word. The Bible says this in Luke 7, 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And that's Jesus. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose that he who forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. Thou gave me no kiss. But this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is given, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace." Our Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand something out of this woman that the Bible says is a sinner. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to learn lessons from her as well as from this, this man, Simon, this Pharisee, who didn't understand forgiveness, who didn't understand the grace that you offer. Lord, speak to our hearts even tonight. We love you, Father, and it's in your name. Amen. Well, folks, if you caught it, here's what's going on in this passage of Scripture. You have this man. His name is Simon. And Simon, he's a Pharisee. And if we know anything about the Pharisees, they're the guys that, that they were always very well-to-do. They just wanted to live by this list of rules. They looked at the law of the Old Testament and they said, we're going to follow every letter of the law. And man, on top of it, we're going to even add some extra stuff. And they did. They added lots of things extra to the law. And so Simon, understanding things about the Old Testament and understanding things about the law, and here was this man, this, this teacher, this master that he even calls him Jesus. 
He says, Jesus, I want you to come to my house and I want you to come eat with me. Let, let's, let's have a meal together. And that's something we even do culturally today. Hey, I want to spend some time with you. Why don't you come eat supper at my house? So they did. So Jesus comes over to Simon's house. They, they enter in and, and they sit down. They get ready to eat. And we know it wasn't just them. There were other people there at this meal. This was a banquet. This was a pretty big deal. And I want you to picture this in your mind. While they're all there sitting there eating, and by the way, you'll, you'll see why this is important in just a minute. Uh, in, in, in this time period, it wasn't uncommon for people to be laying down while they were eating. That this, was, this was something kind of different. The Greeks actually started this. This was something where they would say, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to relax while we're at the dinner table. And they would actually lay down, they would prop up their feet, and they would just kind of recline while they were eating. This, this was almost saying, look at me, I am, I am well to do. I have servants coming to feed me. They wouldn't have to stand up. They would have people bring them their drink and, and their food and stuff. And they would, be, they would be sort of laying down, looking at their table like this. And so here they were, they were all around the table, and, and as they were eating, the meal had started. And then imagine this being in your house. Man, you had just invited this, this high-profile, well-to-do person, which, which was Jesus. He's, man, he's come to your house. He's going to be eating with you, and here you are. You're, you're, man, you're having a good time. You have your servants coming in. You have your food being brought. They're, they're serving him something to drink. And then all of a sudden, everything just goes silent. Because someone walks in that wasn't invited. You know, have you ever had someone just kind of come to your door that you aren't expecting? And then on top of it, it's at dinner time. You're like, man, what are you, what are you doing here? You know? So this, this girl, she comes, she comes to the house. She wasn't invited. She was someone, by the way, that had a reputation. And we're going to talk about that. And when she walks in, she doesn't just walk in. The Bible says when she walks into the room, she is weeping. I mean, tears falling off of her face, literally. You know, I can probably, in my adult life, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've actually cried that much. You know, where, where, where tears would be falling off of my face. But here is a lady, she comes walking in, tears falling off of her face because she is so broken and she is, she is so torn up. And she has one goal. She wants to come and see Jesus. And so... And again, picture this in your house. You see this. This girl all of a sudden walks in. Look, dinner at this point is, the host would say, dinner is ruined, right? I mean, you know, how is, how, is, how is this okay? This uninvited guest coming into my house, causing such a scene. The conversation has stopped, okay? They're not going to keep on going with what was going on with this happened. All eyes turned, and they look at this girl. And here she is, she's weeping, she's crying uncontrollably. Everybody's probably trying to figure out what's going on. And she walks over to Jesus, and they say, and here's, here's one of the reasons I say that we understand that they were probably laying down, is because it says that this lady, she was behind Jesus. She was, she was behind him as she was weeping. So he would have been laying down at the table, and she would have come up behind him where his feet were kind of laid across the floor. And she walked up to him immediately, and she had tears coming off of her face so much that they began to wet the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of tears. When you have tears falling down this much, whatever's below it is getting wet. And when she sees that his feet are getting wet, she takes her hair and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet. Man, that's, to think that, that someone would do that. A person's feet, especially in that day, they probably weren't the cleanest thing. You know, they didn't have, you know, nice Nikes and Reeboks like we have now, okay? They were, they were wearing sandals. They were kicking up dust when they walked. And so when they would get here, it was typically it was customary for someone to have their feet washed. But, you know, Jesus, he looked at Simon and said, Simon, you didn't even offer me any water to wash. 
And so here, this girl, she is washing Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. And she brings with her this precious ointment called alabaster. It's this, it's this perfume. It's this fragrance. And she, she, she broke it open and she, and she anointed Jesus' feet with this. And she's crying and she's weeping because she loves Jesus. Now, again, imagine that in your home. You, this girl comes in. And then as she's weeping and crying, she bows down at your guest's feet and starts washing your guest's feet. I mean, that's going to cause a, a, a pretty big sensation. And then and they all, they look at this girl and they knew her because this girl, the Bible says she had a reputation for being a sinner. Now, we don't know everything that that means out of this passage because the Bible typically just says it's a sinner. But whatever that would be, it was someone that throughout the town, they knew this girl. And they knew what she was about. Whether, whether that was some sort of uh, prostitution, infidelity, or, or, or whatever. Whatever it is, we don't know. But it was something that she had a reputation of being a sinful person. So everyone in the room knew it. They knew this girl. So when she, when she showed up and when she walked in and she started washing Jesus' feet, everyone looked at her and they said, What is this girl doing with, with Jesus? What is, what is she doing with the master? Doesn't he know who this girl is? Doesn't he know what this girl is all about? And he is letting her wash his feet. Look at what went through uh, Simon's mind. This is in verse number 39. Now when the Pharisee, which is this, he was Simon. Now when the Pharisee, which had bid him, saw it, saw this girl washing his feet, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. He was saying he would know that. He, he would know what kind of a girl this is. Why would she let him do that? And he's thinking that to himself. And then Jesus, in his wisdom, of course, he knows what Simon's thinking, right? He didn't have to say it out loud. Jesus knows what's in his heart. Well, Jesus very wisely looks at him and says in verse 40, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. And that's when Jesus went on to tell a parable about these two men. And we're going to talk about this as well. Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to think to yourself, you've got this guy, he's, got a, he's a creditor, a, excuse me, he's, he's like a banker, a creditor. He loans out money to people. And you've got this one guy, let's say, for example, he owes $50, and you've got this other guy that owes $500. Now all of a sudden, neither one of these guys are able to pay off their debt. So the creditor just says, you know what, I think I'm going to be gracious today. Both you guys, you're forgiven. You know, you, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. Your debt's free. You can just be gone of your debt. Now, Simon, let me ask you, which one of these two men loved their forgiveness the most? Which one loved the creditor the most? And then Simon says, well, I suppose the guy that had the 500 debt. The Lord said, absolutely. Point being is this. Those that have had much forgiven, they are going to love more. And boy, the thought that comes with that. Someone that has had the most change in their life. They're going to have more to be thankful for to God than to someone that hasn't. The one that's had more forgiven, they're going to be more thankful to God than others would. That's what he's saying with this girl. Yes, this girl is a sinner, but she is coming to me repenting of her sin, wanting forgiveness. She is going to be able to love me more than you, Simon. She is going to be able to love me more because she has had more debt forgiven than anyone else has in this room. And more or less, that's what the Lord was alluding to. So we're going to learn a couple of, uh, we're going to learn a couple things about the Lord, about this girl. And we, we need to see ourselves in this passage as well. So we're going to look at two people. We're going to look at this broken woman. And we're going to look at this blind Pharisee. 
And we're going to learn something from each one of them. So first, let's take a look at this lady. Uh, the Bible tells us, actually, if we turn over to the book of John, uh, in this same account, we learn that her name is Mary. So we see this broken woman, this, uh, this lady, Mary. One of the things that she did that I think a lot of us have a hard time doing is she was able to see herself in a low esteem. She was able to look at herself as a pretty lowly person. Yeah, and here's what we think of that. See, again, verse number 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, everyone knew it, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. So she had a low view of herself. Here's what we see first. She was broken over her sin. If everyone else in the town knew that this lady had a reputation of being a sinner, whatever that be, if she had that reputation, everyone else knew it. She knew it. The people in the room knew it. And I believe there's a certain point when, when God convicts us over our sin, we ought to be broken over that. You know, we, we ought to weep over that. Have you ever hurt someone that you love? And you've hurt them so deeply, you see the pain that it causes in them. Have you ever done that and then it caused you to feel bad as well? Have you, ever been, have you ever been hurt by the hurt that you have caused? Man, I've done that. that that's, a, that's a pretty low feeling. You know, when, when you're looking at someone that you care about very deeply and you see them in pain knowing that you caused it. Man, that, when I'm in that spot, I feel about this tall. You know, I, I feel pretty low. And that, that upsets me. And sometimes I even, I'll, even, I'll even get brokenhearted over the pain that I have caused. And this girl, knowing that she is a sinner, knowing that she has the reputation of a sinner, she comes in before the Lord weeping and crying because she knows she is coming before the one that is holy, that is perfect, and that is right. She doesn't deserve to be there. And she is brokenhearted. Folks, one of the things that we need to do is like this girl, no matter what our sin is, sin is sin. We need to get broken the way this girl was broken. Sometimes our sin, maybe we need to feel bad about it. In fact, if we don't feel bad about our sin, there's probably a problem there. You know, the Bible talks about our conscience being seared sometimes, where, where someone can sin and just not even feel bad. That's a, that's a pretty scary place to be. I, I want the Lord to convict me. You know, I want, I, I want the Lord to, I want to know that the Lord is still working on me. Does that make sense? You know, when I, when I do something wrong, I want the Lord saying, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Because in a way, that lets me know that, that, that he loves me. You know, that's why, that's why we, we talk to our children, isn't it? Isn't that why we teach our children? Why we train them? Why we correct them when they do wrong? Because we love them. Man, we want them to grow up right. So, so I'm not just going to let them go and do whatever they want. I'm going to tell them how it was wrong. And I want them to grow up in a way that's right. And I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to train them. And I want them to be broken over their sin as well. And just like us, we need to see ourselves like this girl. And we need to be broken hearted over our sin. There's, there's a trend today. There's some people that are actually proud of their sin. They're proud of their sin. There, there are things in God's word that are blatantly wrong. And you'll see people absolutely proud. This is, man, this is me. Maybe this is just, this is just who I am. This is my sin, whatever. And boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace that. Well, no, not if the Bible says it's sin. You see, there, there, there's a difference. How is it that we're proud? Because I think maybe if we choose to be proud of our sin, it kind of maybe gets rid of our guilt in some ways. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that very much. But I do know this. The Bible talks about those that take pleasure in their sin. 
And that's a place that we need to stay away from. We need to be like this girl and be brokenhearted over our sin. So she had a low view of herself and that she was broken over her sin. And she was broken at being in the presence of God. She was broken at being in the presence of God. You know, one of the things that, that we see when, when it comes to God himself, when it comes to the glory of God, I believe one day when we stand before the Lord, and actually, I, I, I don't say to say I believe this. I know it because the Bible says it. I believe it's in Peter. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I believe when we're in heaven and when we stand before the Lord and we see the Lord in all of his glory, and when we see him as he is, we're not going to be able to do anything but fall down on our face before him. You know, I believe, I believe that's it. Have you ever had well, kind of what we call a jaw-dropping moment, right? You know, I remember the first time I went to Yellowstone and I got to see the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, right? The first time I saw it in person. Man, I walked out there and you're just like, wow. You know, it just kind of overtakes you. Now, it didn't make me weak in the knees or anything, but like just, just wow, this is awesome. Now, I almost imagine in my mind if I can multiply that by 100,000, and then the moments there when I see God and all of his glory, I'm not going to do, be able to do anything but fall on my face before him. You think about Paul. You know, the Lord showed up, hey, Paul, or excuse me, Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He fell down on his face. That's all he could do. You know, anytime someone was, was confronted with God, they fell down on their face before him. That's all they could do. I believe that's all we'll be able to do as well. And I think about this girl when she recognized that this was God. This was Jesus. This is the one who could save her of her sins. I believe there again, she kind of humbled herself. She lowered herself. Folks, let me tell you, when it comes to me and God, I have no right to come into the presence of God like this. If anything, I should come into the presence of God like this. You know, and, I, and I say that, you even think of the cherub angels that are there in heaven. The Bible says they have six wings. With two wings, they fly. With two wings, they cover their feet. And then with two other wings, they cover their face because they know they're not worthy. And they fly around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. That's all they do. They proclaim how holy God is covering their face and their feet because they know they are not worthy there. This girl, she knew she was not worthy. We have no reason to be prideful when it comes to the presence of God. Folks, we ought to be brokenhearted and humble before the things of God. And we're going to compare that with the Pharisee in a moment. So she had a low view of herself. Yes, I, I believe that, that we ought to uh, be self-confident in some things. You know, I believe there's some, uh, there's some good things when it comes to maybe taking pride in our work. Hey, that's a good thing. But when it comes to the things of God and the presence of God, we ought to lower ourselves. Well, we, we ought to see ourselves as humble in his presence. We ought to be broken over the things uh, that God has convicted us of. So then we see this. Not only was she thinking low of herself, she had a high view of God, too. Let me ask you this. How important is God to you? How, how highly do you think about God and who he is? Look at what she did. When she came to him, she was, she was weeping. She was a sinner. But look at what she did. When she came, when she left her house to come to Simon's house, she brought that bottle of alabaster with her. Okay? She, she knew what she was doing when she left. She went there with a purpose. So verse number 38 and stood at his feet behind him. See, that's why we say he, she was behind him. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. 
Now, I realize in our, our culture, you know, I don't typically think I would want to kiss anyone's feet, you know. And I don't mean to make light of the situation, but that's not, that's not something we do, you know. And furthermore, even washing someone else's, someone else's feet once they've come into our house. You know, are your feet dirty? Well, the bathroom's over there. Washcloths are in the, you know, below the sink on the second shelf. You know, that's, that, that's, that's, that's how we do it. We're not, we're not that forthcoming in necessarily our culture. But I want you to think of this. She thought so much of God her Father. She was willing to take the most precious ointment in her house when she left to go offer up to Jesus. And then she thought enough of him to get down on her knees at his feet to wash his feet with her tears, to, to take her most prized and, and, and fragrant perfume and to break it and to anoint his feet with it and to kiss his feet, to kiss the feet of Jesus. Folks, even with that, we could say she wasn't worthy to do such a thing, but that's how much she thought of him. That's how highly she thought of God, and that's how lowly she thought of herself in his presence. Folks, how highly do we think of God? Do we see him as just our buddy? Do we see him as just someone that's, that's here to, to help us out throughout the day? Or do we see him as someone that is high and holy and deserving of our absolute very best? Folks, that's the way that we ought to see him. She saw him for who he was that was lifted up and high above all. Folks, he's so much more, again, than just someone that's, that's here to kind of be our partner. While, yes, he's our friend. Boy, he is also God above all gods. He is the God. He is the one and only God. He is the one that came and died on the cross for us. He's the creator of the world. He created it all. And he is so mighty that we talked about this morning. He just spoke. And there it was. Folks, that's who he is. And when we think about when we're on our knees and when we're praying, folks, we're praying to the guy that created it all. We're praying to the one that made me, the one that made you. We're praying to the one that died on the cross for us. We're praying to the one that's one day going to come back and wipe out sin. It's, it's more than just closing my eyes and thinking. It's more than just a ritual repeating these words. No, I am talking to the God Almighty. That is a high view of God. And that's what she thought of him. She lifted him up. So we see that she had such a high view of him. She went looking for Jesus. She heard he was in town and she went after him. The same way we ought to be looking for Jesus. She was subservient in that she went and wanted to serve him in the best way that she could. And boy, she was also sacrificial. You know, she sacrificed some things. I think that's something we probably missed a lot in culture today. Not a lot of say culture. You know, in Christianity. You know, it's funny. We want to serve God. You know, we want, to, uh, we want to offer things to him. But how often do we actually see ourselves as sacrificing to him? See, the, the difference is there's a difference between a gift and a sacrifice. See, a gift is just something, you know, I say, hey, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, offer this. It's not really going to cost me anything. But boy, when we think of men that, that go to a foreign field somewhere to be a missionary and they die out there, they literally sacrifice their life. They gave something that cost them. You know, in, in the Old Testament, when they, would take, when they would take some kind of livestock and they would, they would lay it on the altar and that would be slain. That cost them something. You know, it wasn't necessarily monetary value then. It was, it was what they had. That was their livelihood, was their, was their livestock. And they sacrificed. They gave it up. This girl, she gave something that, that was very precious and valuable, this alabaster. You know, I can't, I can't prove this, but it's been said that some of this stuff could cost an entire year's worth of salary for some of these people. 
you know, depending on your social status of the day. That's a big deal. That's how highly she saw God. God is worthy of everything. Everything I have, everything I own, my future, everything. God, you are worthy of it. Do we see God as being that high, that holy, and that worthy? And do we see ourselves as being that low that we would wash his feet with our most prized possession? Folks, that's how high this girl saw him. This girl that was a sinner. And what I love was at the end of it. Look at verse number 49. Or excuse me, verse number 48. And he, that's Jesus, he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he kept on talking to the woman. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Folks, one of the things I love about reading this is when it comes to salvation, at the end of the day, it's all about faith. It's having faith in the Lord. There is nothing we could ever do to work our way into heaven. It wasn't the fact that this girl gave up her, her alabaster. It wasn't this girl weeped. It wasn't that this girl washed her feet. It was that this girl had faith that this man is Jesus. She saw him for who he was. And that was what saved him. Now, let's switch gears just for a minute. And we'll look over at verse number 41. I want to look at this thing of this parable that he gave us of the creditor. So there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay for, frankly, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. So, folks, one of the things we're going to see about this blind Pharisee, he had to give him this, this lesson. But I want, to notice, I want you to notice something. If you back up, this Pharisee, the reason I call him blind because he, he could physically see. But he was blind in his mind. He didn't even see that this man was Jesus Christ. Look at what he said in verse number 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him, right, the guy Simon that invited him to his house. When the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. He's wondering to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, notice that, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. See, in that, it's almost like he's saying, ha, if this guy really was who he said he was, he'd know who this girl really is. He would, he would know what this girl is all about. If this man was really the, a prophet, which he was more than a prophet, he was a prophet, a priest, and a king, this was Jesus. If he really knew who this girl was, he wouldn't be letting him do that. He was doubting who he was. He was doubting that this man was the son of God. And then Jesus kind of looked at him and said, I know what you're thinking. And he kind of proved himself. So we saw already he was doubting the Lord. And beyond that, he denied what the Lord was owed. Look at what the Lord said to him in verse number 44. Or excuse, uh, verse number 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. And notice the phrase. He turned to the woman. But he was speaking to Simon. He was looking at her that was giving him honor while he was speaking to Simon. I thought that was very interesting. He wasn't looking at Simon. He was looking at her when he said this. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thou, thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. 
Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Folks, this man, he also denied the Lord what was owed of him. Now, this was a Pharisee, a man that knew the scripture, a man that should have known who this guy was. But not only did he doubt the Lord, he also denied him the honor that he was owed. And that kind of made me stop and think the same thing as well. You know, we know the Bible. We know what it says. We know the truth. And then we try to do what's right. We try to live by it. But sometimes I wonder, do I give the Lord the honor that he is due? You know, do, I, do I lift him up and magnify him the way, that, the way he ought to be? You know, Simon, he completely missed giving the things that the Lord was owed. He, you know, the Lord come walking in off the street with his dirty and dusty feet. And as it was even custom, he didn't give him water to wash his feet. He didn't greet the Lord with a kiss. Now, again, that was a cultural thing. They would kiss one another, and they still do it in European culture, right? He didn't greet the Lord that way. He didn't give him any oil to anoint his head. He didn't give him the honor that he should have been given. But this woman, she came in as nobody, as someone that was low, as someone that was a sinner, and gave him every bit of honor that was due. Do we give the Lord the honor that he deserves? Do we put him at the forefront of our life? Do we look at the Lord and do we say, Lord, everything I have, everything I own, it's yours anyway. You just guide me through this life. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Lord, you just show me everything I've got, everything I own. It's yours. Lord, Lord, you, you are the Lord of all. Whatever you ask of me, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. Do we talk about him? Do we praise him? You know, one of the, one of the things that, that the Bible teaches us to do is that when we're praying to the Lord, just, just praise him. Man, it's not a, a prayer. It doesn't always have to be asking the Lord things. You know, sometimes we can be on our face before him and say, Lord, you are such a wonderful, mighty, and awesome God. Man, how wonderful you are. I want to praise your name. Lord, I, I lift up your name. Thank you for being so good. How wonderful you are. How holy you are. I mean, we can just praise the Lord. The Bible talks about that. And when we read Psalms, man, we know David did. So when we read, that's something we can do. Do we deny the Lord the honor that he is owed? I know that's something I'm guilty of. So we see his, his knowledge, it was lacking, right? He, he doubted the Lord. He denied the Lord what he was owed. But also, he had a lesson that he needed to learn. And we saw that with, with the debtors. Folks, when someone has a great amount of sin debt that is forgiven, they have something they can be more thankful for. And you know, this is... This is kind of a wrong way to think, but I understand it because, you know, I've, I've had this thought before. I've seen people that, that they, they, they lived hard for sin. I mean, they, they, lived, they lived in such a way you would look and just say, wow, they have really wrecked their life. I mean, they got involved with things, spent some time in jail, and they, they broke the law and were an outlaw, that sort of thing. And they lived really, really hard for Satan, you could say. But then, boy, when they got saved... Man, they, they, they had this great debt that was forgiven. And boy, they just wanted to live for the Lord. They, they loved the Lord. And when you saw how they used to live, and then you saw how their life is now, I mean, it's like night and day. The way the Lord can change a person's life. It's amazing. And they know it. And I remember I used to sit back and look and I thought, wow. I wish I could say that. You know, I, in some ways, I wish that, that I would be able to say that the Lord changed me that way. Because, you know, I, I was born in a Christian home. I got to, uh, you know, I got to go to, to a Christian school. I got, I got saved when I was very young. You know, I, I never had to experience that. And then one day somebody told me, look, 
we shouldn't ever be disappointed because, because God didn't have to reach so far down in, into the gutter to pull us out of it. He says he didn't, save you, uh, he, he didn't save you in that. He saved you from that. And so I can glorify the Lord that I never had to go there. I can give God glory that I never had to experience that sin to be pulled out of it. But the point being is this. When someone has something that they, they have forgiven, this great, great sin, they have something they can be thankful to God for. And he showed that Pharisee, yeah, she's a sinner. She's got the testimony of it. But she has something she can praise me for. Folks, we can't do what this Pharisee did. It is wrong for us to start, one, comparing ourselves to other sinners. Because from the time we're born, we are all sinners already on the way to hell. I mean, we are at the foot of the cross, there is level ground. I, you know, I can promise you that. There is no, there, there's no greater or worse. It's just those that have received their pardon and those that haven't. That's all salvation is. So when we look at this, we can't start comparing ourselves to other sinners. No doubt this Pharisee is looking at this girl. Oh, man, that, that girl, she's such a wicked sinner. I can't believe she would be here washing his feet and that he would let her do that. Why, 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 she, she's in my house. You know, I ought to be throwing her out of here right now. And, you know, sometimes that's the way we do, isn't it? We start comparing sin. And then when, maybe when someone, and you know, the, let this never be said of us. Someone comes to the presence of Jesus and they, have, they just have the filth of the world on them. And they want to come to the Lord for forgiveness. Well, how dare we let someone like that into the house of God. Man, do we know what kind of a sinner that person is? Look at the things that they've done here in this town. How, how dare we let them come into a place like this? Well, folks, I want to tell you, those that have the sin about their lives, they need Christ just like every other one else does. You know, they, they have something they, they need forgiven. They need their sin debt forgiven just like everyone does. So we can't look at someone's sin and judge them for the things they've done and say they are not worthy of Christ. Folks, everyone needs Christ. You know, and it's kind of hard for us to think this way because of, I guess maybe because of our mind. But you know, even those that we would say are the wickest, wick, most wicked of the wicked. You know, we, we always use the name Hitler, don't we? Because of, because of the things that he did. We've studied that guy in history. Did you know that Christ died for him just like he died for me? Christ died for him just like he died for me. Every single person that has ever lived, Christ loved them and died for them just as much as he died for me. And it is wrong for me to judge them and say, it's, say that they shouldn't want to come to Christ for forgiveness because they should. And he can forgive and he wants to forgive anyone and everyone that will willingly come to him for forgiveness. Folks, his Pharisee didn't get it. He, he was all about his, you know, his social status. You know, this girl coming into his house where the other Pharisees were, man, you know, what's, what's the town going to think if I let her into my house? She's a sinner. Now everyone's seeing her come to my house. Uh, how, how dare I let something like that happen? If there was anyone in the room that needed Jesus, it was her. And folks, we need to see that the same way. We, we can't be blind the way the Pharisee was. We need to see that sometimes greater forgiveness can even equal a greater love. So here's our two lessons that we've learned tonight. We learn, one, that with this broken woman, we need to be like her. We need to have a lower view of ourselves. And boy, we need a higher view of Christ. We need to see him for who he is, the creator of all that is worthy of all. And then, like this blind Pharisee, we need to learn the lesson that he needs to learn as well. That folks, 
that there is no one that's unworthy to come to the Lord. And that when someone has a great sin debt, boy, they have greater love they can give once it's been forgiven. So we can't, we can't uh, compare ourselves with other sinners the way this guy did. So I ask you that tonight. Do we have the right view of Christ? Do we have the right view of ourselves? And do we have the right view of other sinners as well? So we could, we'll have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And I'll ask you those three simple questions that we've learned. Do we have the right view of ourselves in that? Do we see ourselves as low as we ought to? Do we have the right view of God in that we see Him as high and holy as we ought to? And do we have the right view of other sinners in that everyone has the opportunity to come to Christ? If they have much sin, boy, they can give much love. Do we have the right view of other sinners? Our Heavenly Father, we love you. I pray that you would take the words that you've shown us here out of Scripture and apply it even to our own hearts. Lord, if we need to change our view about some things, we, if, we, if we need to change our view about ourselves, about you, if we need to change our view about others, Lord, I pray that you would be the one that would do that. Show that to us tonight and work on us. So folks, again, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I'll give us just a brief minute to do some business with the Lord. If maybe the Lord has impressed upon your heart one of these three views, this is your time to do business with him.